to another episode of The Long Drive Home in the Dark. Your host, Patrick Mason. That's me. And my truck, I guess. Yeah, my truck can be the co-star. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm driving right now. And this is a podcast about Catholicism, Christianity, faith, life, hope, reason. And it is a podcast sans source material. So it's whatever I've got off the top of my head and whatever I can remember. Answering questions posed to me by uh, friends, family, possibly even audience. So uh, I haven't been approved by anybody, just so you know. And there's a likelihood that I'm going to get stuff wrong. So if I get stuff wrong, uh, please correct me on it. And uh, I'll gladly... uh, uh, broadcast that correction in a future episode. So, we're going to continue our discussion of how did we figure out the canon of the Bible, or which books are in the Bible and which books are not in the Bible. And last we spoke, we were in the midst of ancient history. And the reason we're there is because much of the Bible is concerned with ancient history or happens during the course of ancient history. And and really all of the Bible does, which you have kind of a transition point with the Gospels for how kind of we view history simply because the Gospels are so well attested there. As far as in the ancient history, if you look at uh, historians who study ancient history, it's it's by far the, the best attested piece of ancient historical source we have for any given event in history. Um, this, you know, it meets it meets and beats pretty much every possible test that has been come up with um, for ancient historical research, except for the I'm skeptical only about biblical stuff, but not about everything else test, which is that, you know, I don't think my opinion of that is very high because it's um, not a very good test, <laughs> at least from a rational scientific point of view more of one of those feelings tests so we we ended kind of with Babylon or the Babylonians destroying Jerusalem and taking over the kingdom of Judah or Judea and so this has already happened to Israel which we see in the course of the book of Kings as well as uh, some Near Eastern sources. And then we see at the end of Kings and, and Jeremiah the prophet and Ezekiel, you have the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians and the exile of the rest of the Jews in the same fashion. So this was this was a Near East practice. The Assyrians did it, the Babylonians did it. We're pretty sure several of the civilizations that, be, that came before did it as well it was just something one of those those things if you took over a city you first first and foremost you um, took its god whatever the city or or nation or or civilization's god was and you took it um, you removed it from the city kind of emasculating that city and then you also scattered its people in order to avoid them you know re, re leading some sort of rebellion or revolution against you. Um, so you have the Jews scattered to the four winds in you know, the northern 
tribes and then the southern tribes, you know, for about a 300-year period. And much of the books, so the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and then you have you know, several books that come after it, Joshua and Judges, that sort of kind of give a history of the Israelite people before the establishment of the dynasties. And so you, you probably have those books and proto-versions of Samuel and Kings, and because by the time of the invasion, the Syrian invasion, and then eventually the uh, Babylonian invasions and the exiles, it's been a while since the establishment of the kingdom under David and Solomon's rule. And so uh, a big portion of Samuel has likely been written by this point of, of the books we call Samuel 1 and 2, although in older editions of the Bible you'll see 1 and, one and 2 Kings, and uh, portions of Kings as well, and Chronicles, because Chronicles and Kings, you know, Kings 1 and 2 and Chronicles 1 and 2, they talk about the same time period but in different ways, and you also have prophets from those eras, uh, and their, their prophecies written down, you know, at some point, either by themselves or by you know, acolytes or kibbutzis or whatever you want to call them, uh, scribes. And so you have, in the old kingdom, you have, or, or what you call first temple Judaism, which is after, you know, Judaism after the establishment of Solomon's temple, but before the destruction of that temple by the Babylonians. You have a set of people whose job it is, is to write stuff. And so they, and the main thing they write, like we talked before, is the most important thing to you is the religious stuff. So that's what they write. So these books likely existed in that time frame and are scattered in that time frame. We don't have anything. Um, you know, these would have been written in Hebrew. We don't. We have like maybe fragments from stuff from this era. Like all of this is posited because it all makes sense, but there's no there's no lot of, there's not a lot of guarantees about any specific books or you know the Torah is, it's almost gotta be written down at some somewhere at some point by this time uh, by the scribes. And, you know we talked about oral tradition before that being extremely reliable, and the oral traditions continue after that with the same kind of stringency because you know when you have these exiled when the Israelites are exiled and the Judeans are exiled it's not like the priesthood disappears and it's not like the Levites just disappear and the, and the order of subscribes disappear no they all still exist they still have they kind of have their jobs like you, you have more or less depending on the Jews and what city they're in you know they form up their synagogues and they they gather what books they can and they get you know they they have they get the books from other, and I say books, you know, I'm talking about scrolls here. <laughs> they go to other Jewish enclaves and other Jewish cities where they've been exiled to, and they get what they can, and, and they write it down. So, but, you know, paper doesn't last forever. And so most of this stuff, if we have anything from it, it's fragments. And most of these fragments we have are da, 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 in Egypt. And the reason is because Egypt is super dry. And anybody who knows about keeping paper for long periods of time is that water will ruin it. <laughs> it just, and, and water count, you know, the moisture in the air counts as water in this instance. So 
it just the paper eventually goes bad it crumbles and not only does it you know it crumbles it it, it gets unreadable and it fudges and unfortunately it just you know nothing lasts forever that's that's the existence we we live in or you know everything we have um not going to be around for forever it's just how things go so we don't have a lot of those but we have some stuff out of egypt well you have all these exiled groups and you have um you know them them getting what they can with in hebrew and everything and you have you know you do have some people still left in judea but there's also transplants from other kingdoms so you know babylon goes on does its thing for a while and then eventually um the medes and i can't remember the other civilization they teamed up with but they are able to overthrow babylon so these are these are people who would be vassal states and the medes are are eventually what we call the Persians, right? And this guy uh, called Silas the Great, who is um, one of the most acclaimed non-Israelite rulers slash non, um, you know, before Abraham rulers in the Bible. Like, the Bible loves this guy. He's got great press. <laughs> he's got the best press possible. And not only that, he's actually, um, in other ancient sources, he's he, yeah, he's at least viewed as ultra-powerful, if not respected, if not liked or loved. And part of the, the thing is we don't have interior sources from Persia. Like, we don't have histories written by Persians. They wrote a lot about monetary stuff because I guess that's what they thought was important. But we don't have just a whole lot in the way of histories like like we view histories, like biographies and and that you know Herodotus, the father of lies, you know, is doing basically a play. So he has several plays about Silas. About he has several plays about the Persians in general. That's, that's where we get a lot of our history. It's between him and the Bible. Um, and what's extremely different about the Persians and why they're able to become so... Well, it's positive. It's one of the reasons they're able to become so powerful is because they reverse this policy of forced um, settlement. So a forced resettlement of peoples, of conquered peoples. So this reads in the Bible, if you read the books of Nehemiah and Ezra, or Ezra and Nehemiah, depending on how you, or Esdras, or this, and that one gets confusing because Esdras is also a different book. But um, Ezra and Nehemiah, if you, if you pick up like a modern Bible, those books are about what happens and and Silas doesn't just do this for the Jews he does this for everybody he lets everybody go home and he says go home and I'll make things right you know they and and I'll return all your gods and for the Jews that meant I'll rebuild your temple and he funds the rebuilding of their temple and he returns like the Assyrian gods to 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 uh Nineveh you know the capital the old capital um and it, it, he, he, you know, returns the gods. 
And for the Jews, that means rebuilds the temple. I know I just said that. So, <laughs> but basically, he's not a jerk <laughs> about about ruling. And all he says is, "Look, you know, we need some taxes, and if I call on you to fight, I, I need you to fight for me." And that's one of the things the Persians did is they would use they had their own sort of style of of, of war unit, but they knew that other people did other things well. And so when they conquered those other people, they would just say, okay, your army's now part of ours. And, and you know, the, their, their whole fleet was effectively, you know, Phoenician or, um, um, ah, shoot, the, well, I guess it is, I think it's Phoenician. But, you know, that was the thing. They, they you know, they're, they're coming from, you know, the, the Near East and they're, they're, the Medes not really around a whole lot of water, so they're not excellent boat crafters, but they, you know, when they take over, um, Judea and, uh, Israel and that, that whole area, Lebanon, you know, that's on the water. Those people are good at making boats. I think those are the Phoenicians. Pretty sure. Either way. So that, that's, that becomes their fleet. Like, like that's who they use for their fleet. So Silas the Great, Let's everybody go back. And there's this there's this scene in Ezra and Nehemiah where they, they go back and they're they're looking at the temple and they're kind of repopulating Jerusalem and they and they find in the ruins of the temple a book of the law and they read it out and they're they're surprised more or less or saddened um, maybe angry too because there's things in there that they weren't upkeeping through the Exodus or second exodus uh, dispersion diaspora whatever you want to call it but they it 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 displays number one that this stuff was written down by that point so by the refounding of Jerusalem under Silas the Great of Persia at least the Torah which would be the book of the law had been written already. And number two, it also displays the fact that they had lost a lot of it. (laughs) And so that's, you have kind of a a refounding of the the books and you have a reestablishment of the scribes and they're trying, they're they're bringing this, the, the body of literature more or less together again that is going to eventually come come into a canon uh, or, or be talked about as the scriptures. And so you have, you have the Torah, you've got the law, which is the Torah, um, and you have kind of the histories, Judges, or yeah, Joshua, Judges, Chronicles, Samuel, Kings, and then you have the prophets, the 12, and, and then the major prophets. And those are kind of the books you get sort of after this establishment of of or reestablishment of Jerusalem and rebuilding of the kingdom however um, after this point the the language you know has changed it changes over time and so you know Hebrew is not quite the same and not only that a lot of the the uh, Israelites don't speak Hebrew or Aramaic. They might speak something else. Um, 
and so you have you have kind of this so there's a move towards writing everything in Hebrew um, and you have Reestablishment the, of the temple and the rebuild. The, the temple starts to be rebuilt. You have the prophets show up. All this stuff starts to get written down, right? So, again, it's kind of the same. The same thing is is going on. Like the histories are being written, fragments are being pieced together. Like I said, they they find the book of the law and there's stuff they didn't know about. So, and as the as you know, the Jewish groups decide to move back or don't decide to move back. They bring with them effectively their synagogue or their their what they had as far as books concerned, and they fill in gaps. And then you know more of the text gets written. So they they write about the destruction of the temple. That you know the prophet Ezekiel gets written down. Jeremiah gets written down. And then um, you know other prophets. Well, I guess Isaiah was before all that. But you you know you have the prophets written down or rewritten in this time period. And um, a canon of scripture more or less starts to form as per the liturgy in the temple went. And this was used, you know, for use in the, in the temple and, you know, how the temple was supposed to operate. Because, you know, at this point, unlike in the previous temple, which had been built in Jerusalem where they, before that, they had the, the tabernacle at Shiloh. And before that, they had the wandering tabernacle and, you know, coming out of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you have the law and, and all that's kind of laid out for them, the, the Israelites, about how they're supposed to do all the sacrifices and stuff. And then you have this this period where, you know, between Babylon and Persia, dominance, where you don't have any of that going on in the temple. So the temple, like the reestablishment of the temple is more than just we have to rebuild this thing. It's we're reestablishing the practice of worship. <laughs> like, like, so, you know, finding these books and, and making sure you're doing it right is very important to them. And so this, the body of what we would call the Old Testament more or less starts to really coalesce in this time period because of the importance of having it so that you know what you're doing is right. You know, you're worshiping God the way God wants to be worshiped. So, you get several great rulers of Persia, one of them being Xerxes, who I'm sure everybody knows about, through the comics, the 300 comics. Was that Xerxes? I think it was Xerxes in the comics. I don't actually know if it was Xerxes in history. The problem is the, the Persian, a lot of the Persians had like multiple names. And they, they named each other after each other. So you had Xerxes and Ataxerxes and Xerxes the third and Ataxerxes the third. And so, you, and you know, they're at war with the Greeks, and that's where we have that history from. Um, <laughs> the Greeks, this weird little thing on the outskirts of the empire they kind of deal with and then walk away from. And the Greeks are like, yeah, we fought them off. And, and from the Persians' perspective, it was like, yeah, some people died, I guess. <laughs> you know? It's just, it's a, it's a very interesting case of perspective for that. But you, then you have the rise of Alexander. And I know I'm skipping forward a lot, but this is ancient history. So you move through vast swaths of history quickly because we don't have that much in the way of sources. Slash, you know, the important, we're getting to the important stuff. So you move eventually to Alexander, and Alexander takes over Greece. 
and and then moves his way into into Persia, and eventually conquers conquers Persia and then moves on to India. Um, I think Artaxerxes the third was the the one he eventually uh, you know the emperor of Persia, and then effectively Alexander becomes the last emperor of Persia, and you know until you know 700 600 700 AD where and they you know they're rampaging across the uh, the Middle East at that point but so that, that that dominance goes away at this point and you have this Macedonian and he takes over the whole thing and then dies and leaves his generals in charge and more or less he says well you guys fight amongst yourself and the the winner becomes a ruler and they're like nah screw that we're going to divide the kingdom in four and and then slowly over time they go to war with each other. So Judea, of course, is like pretty close to the border between two of these generals, a guy who rules from Egypt and a guy who rules more or less from um, uh, in the Middle East. I can't remember. I think it's, I think it's uh, the former capital of Persia, but I'm not absolutely certain about that, so I won't go there. But either way, and there's a series of wars that happen between the two, and effectively... What happens to Judea is you have a conquering, and you don't have a diaspora, but you do have a stop of worship again, and a you know a gutting of the temple, the burning of stuff. Um, you know it's a sack of you know they sack Jerusalem at some point, and a lot of this stuff yet again gets lost. And that's that's the, the a number one biggest problem. Yeah, I guess it's A number two. So A number one biggest problem with, with historical, you know, ancient history is the paper not holding up, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then before that, the stonework not holding up. Although, you know, stonework holds up slightly better, but it's still, if it's open to the wind or the rain, it's going to get washed away eventually or blown away. So, but A number two is uh, war and the effect that fire has on stuff. <laughs> and, and in this, in, in you know, in particular, the um, the stuff in this instance, this books and writings, and so again, you have a whole lot of stuff gets burned, and you have basically this this guerrilla war goes on, and this, you know, if you want it in the Bible, it's the book, the, the Maccabees books, but you have a guerrilla war that's fought against the Greeks who are also warring against each other on who gets to control. Uh, Judea and Samaria at this point and, and Lebanon and, and so and that's that's sort of it, and because of that you have a lot of the stuff kind of go up into the hills a lot of the books kind of disappear get smuggled out and um, but you have this war that goes on and this is I mean this is pretty pretty soon or pretty late BC, so we're talking in the within like the 200 BC to zero BC time frame that this this kind of struggle is going on. So this is before Roman domination, so post Alexander, and you know the temple gets wiped out and retaken, uh, and so. But in this time period, kind of like I said, so Alexander sort of dominates, and and then these other folks come in and dominate. So Greek, 
unlike so unlike the the near eastern empires who focused kind of on you know letting people keep their culture but just not in their homeland more or less the the greek kind of version was no we're going to assimilate you to us like so they would establish greek stuff in the cities that they went to they would basically and it's called hellenization um or hellenic uh culturization and, and basically they tried to turn everybody into greeks more or less and so jerusalem and judea was no different so they they set up you know a gymnasium and a bathhouse and, and all that fun stuff in 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 Jerusalem, the same that they, they did everywhere. So you have this Hellenization, and it included language. So, you know, Greek became what everybody should speak. It's it's sort of kind of like how English is ubiquitous across the, the uh, world simply because of business. That's a lot. That's similar to how Greek became, except it wasn't just business. It was everything, and... You gotta remember, business was tied to government in a different way than it is these days. So, so you kind of have a Hellenization of the world, and uh, the pushing of the Greek language was a big part of that. So, I think that's where we will end for today. That is the long drive home. I hope you had a good drive home, or have are having a good day or whatever however you listen to this that you're doing well and we will end with a prayer Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen Dear God the Father of Heaven and Earth we thank you today for the graces of our day, thank you for giving me a safe drive and give all the listeners uh, your grace and your uh mental acuity so that they may sift through the spaghetti of uh, random concepts that I presented to them so that it is intelligible. Uh, Dear Lord, in your name we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. May your will be done. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day.